Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the 5th Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome to Coach Unplugged. I'm so happy you decided to join us today. Before we jump into the podcast, I'd like to give a big shout out to our sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market I think my record, I, I forget. I always want to say it's 47, but I think it's 27 seconds to take this thing. It's so easy to set up and take down. Um, it, it's so nice with the screens now and how it comes with workouts and things for the players to do. Um, you, you will not be disappointed in it. Mention Coach Unplugged, they'll give you $400. You said it right. I, I went to them and I said, I got to take care of my people. Uh, 350 is not enough. You mentioned Coach Unplugged, and they'll give you $400 off your next purchase. So go over and check it out. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. It's what allows me to put this podcast out every day. It's what allows me to put all the free resources and things I do out into the world. It pays the bills. So go over and check it out. 14-day free trial. It is a one-stop shop for basketball coaches. It is everything that you need. You get my email address. You're able to contact me. You're able to jump in our office hours. You're able to find anything. If we don't have it, we'll find it for you along with a 14-day free trial. So go over and check that out. Also, we'd love if you love these podcasts. Um, we'd love you if you went over and checked out High School Hoops or the 5-Minute Basketball Coaching Podcast or the Funnel Down Defense Podcast. We'd love if you go check those out. We'd also love if you left a five-star review. All right, let's head off to the pod. Let's head off. Bye. My point guard shooting, you know, 20% is not consistent enough. She's got to be a higher percentage shooter. And, you know, we work on that, and she's done an excellent job of fixing that scenario and improving. And, you know, I'm not asking a kid to come in as a 40%, you know, in the post. No, not by all means, not, a, you know, not where right. we are. But I am asking them to that to be a goal of theirs to work on being more consistent. So. And I don't know if you agree with this, but I think everybody can be a shooter. I'm not sure everyone can be a scorer. Like everyone can get out. You can get on a machine and you can become a shooter. Like if you take enough shots, you can become a shooter. It doesn't mean you're going to get the shot off. It doesn't mean that you're going to be able to be a scorer. Um, but most kids can become shooters if they put the time in, in my opinion, especially with the yeah. machine right now. I think, I think kids can learn how to shoot better. I think they can improve their shooting. But I think when it comes down to it, you know, the better shooters with the quick release and the form, those are really who are the ones that rise above and, and are consistent. Oh, they, and they're unique. They are definitely unique. Uh, so what's what do you consider your strengths and your weaknesses as a coach? 
think strengths as a coach, you know, one of the things is organization and, you know, attention to detail. You know, I watch a lot of film on ourselves. I watch a lot of film on our opponents, more so on ourselves, just because we're at the junior college level and I need to understand what I can do to perfect our players and everything like that. But I also do like to watch a lot of other film prepare us to win. Um, and I think, you know, offensively, I've always been a great offensive coach um, in teaching kind of how to improve your offense. And like I spoke about consistency um, areas that I'd like to improve. Um, I've always been a pressing guy. So you know, during this quarantine, I have spent hours and hours and hours on, you know, working with different coaches at different levels on specific presses that I've run. Um, I've also, I'm a big ball screen offense guy. Um, so I spent time working with some of the coaches at different what divisions. Pre what presses? So I'm big on uh, one, two, two, uh, two, two, one. Um, those are the two that I like to see. Um, and at least I find a, as a stall and then you or fall as back a to man. Then we do, we do both. We'll fall back to man, or depending on who we're playing, we'll, you know, we'll if we have to, we'll go into a zone, a matchup zone, or something like that. So are you? Are you? Are your players tend to be long and athletic? I wouldn't say long. We didn't have any height our first year, so. Uh, uh, but our we have very aggressive and athletic defenders. Have so you the one three one, we we do, but I, it leaves too much open in the corner. And in our league, you've got some very 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 talented shooters who you know will just make you pay too quickly. So and I don't like you know with our limited height, I try not to isolate. Yeah, too you got to you got to have a little you got to have a little length. That's why I asked about the length. If you got some length, yeah. you can trap that corner too, and they ain't gonna get it like. Right. Um, With the one, two, two, my point guard can pretty much funnel anybody up the floor into a trap. And I like that. And I also like that like too. Reducing the amount of time players have on the shot clock to just get through their stuff. So it's a stall. Yeah, and the thing with the one, two, two and the two, two, one is you can, you can, you can do, you can do stunts out of it where I'm just trying to take clock off or I'm trying to, yeah. I mean, the one, three, one's a different beast. It's more of a, yeah. a change up. Um, you gotta, you, and if you got, if you got like for the guy's side, if you got a bunch of six high school, if you're like six four, six five long guys, who you can't see angles because you don't necessarily trap, you gap them so they can't get close enough to make the pass. That's right. why I asked if you were long. Um, what do you think the hardest thing to teach is? Hardest thing to teach. That's a tough question, but also a really good question. <laughs> I actually might ask that question next time I talk to somebody today. Um I think the toughest thing to cheat to teach in basketball, I don't think it's on the court. You know, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a specific fundamental. Like I think teaching pivot foot, you know, and stuff like that. It's training, hard. You can, it's yeah. hard, but it can be done. Yeah. I think, you know, when it comes to teaching IQ, you, you've got to try a lot of different things. And I, specifically done a lot of work with my guards in I want them to be able to get an inbounds pass, look up the floor and see, okay, it looks like they're in a two, three, or be able to recognize what's in front of them or, you know, to be able to start to be able to read different things offensively. Like, Oh, I know that if, you know, if they're hedging, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell them and I'm going to tell them in timeouts and scouts and pre games and halftime talks and everything like that. But I, I think your ability as a player to be able to read what is happening and understand the different things you can do and not be very robotic is really important. Like if you notice that every time you set a ball screen on our guard, even though it's not within our offense, their, their switch is, is giving you a great post up, then we got to go to that. And then I'll tell you to, but 
the ability to recognize that quickly and do it on your own or find the, you know, if you're coming up to the slot, if we're on the weak side and you're flashing the slot and that's working to stay with it and do it. You know, finding those reads is really difficult to teach kids who are used to coming out of just a regular system. So. What I have found is there's different types of learners too. Like that's what you have to realize as a teacher because coaches are teachers is some kids are visual ones. They need to see tape. They need to watch tape and tape. Other kids need to read things and see things or some kids actually need to physically do. I mean, they all learn. That's the hard part um, as a coach and a teacher is you got to figure out what makes Susie or Johnny tick. And then you got to right. feed the monster. Like I'm a film guy. I love watching film. So give me film. And I like reading too, but I, I think I remember things better if I see it. Like you going through those drills, boom, those are in my brain now. Um, Cause I saw it. If you'd have, if you'd have just said it, it'd have been a little bit harder for me. Um, so I think that's, I think that I, I would agree coach. You're the first person to say that, but I think that is really hard to, that's a hard skill to, hard thing to teach and it's not necessarily an x and o thing um right. uh so is there one is there one coaching moment that we could dive into for the listeners that they could learn something like is there a moment a a you know a failure a success something that would that the listeners would that we could dive into a little deeper yeah i mean if you want to talk about about you know situationally in uh, in a game and, and anything kinda... anything you think that would be beneficial for a coach listening just that's that's why I kind of leave it open ended everyone kind of goes down a different road with this question you know what I would also I would talk about especially I'm not you know, could be assistants head coaches listening so I think for younger coaches and, and more and I learned this too is like let's talk real quick about anticipation right so me as a head coach you know when I'm on the sideline. I already, I'm, I'm instructing on what's going on, but my brain is two, three possessions ahead of where I'm at. Not too far to the point where I don't have, I'm not focused on the moment, but anticipation is extremely important. Like in my head, you know, I see the offense doing, you know, X, Y, and Z, or my point guard, you know, being able to come off the screen, hit the roller, pull up, take a shot. But so if that doesn't happen or, you know, she turns off, turns the ball over and gets back in transition and now the score changes or, you know, now they start doubling her, like I'm always anticipating different things and how we can react to different things. So I think that, you know, one of the things that's important and I find it really important is making sure that your best assistant coaches, and this is why I attribute the ability to be where I am and I'm so grateful to be a head coach right now and hopefully i continue to have success and you know continues to grow but i can attribute that ability to being able to anticipate for as an assistant coach anticipate and then talk to my head coach about what's going to happen and i think we could have this conversation i had a call a couple you know two weeks ago where some a friend of mine called and said you know i, I think i'm uh you know, moving on from one of my assistants, you know, you know, when you were, you were a great assistant when you were young, Jeremy, like how would you have approached the situation? And he presented the situation. He said, you know, I went in at halftime and I said to my team, we're going to, we're going to go to this because this is the new plan and this is what I'm confident in. And when the two of them walked out of the locker room, his assistant said to him, that's not going to work. And he said, why? And um, the assistant said, it's just not going to work. So he said to me, what would your reaction have been? And I said, first of all, if you're going in at halftime and you're drawing something up on the board without asking me, it more than likely means that you just spent the last quarter, if not the entire quarter, thinking about that as everything was unfolding. So you're right. already in your mind 
have a plan of what you're drawing. So I'm not going to do anything to mess with your confidence. Right. Now, as an assistant, if I am going to address what you just changed, I'm going to have a solution. And I attribute this all to J.R. Fredette, who was my guy, my head coach at Albertus Magnus College. I was his assistant. He used to tell, I used to come in the office at like nine in the morning and we'd be getting ready to go play St. Joe's of Maine, you know, two days later. And uh, we ran this hybrid uh, defense, kind of like a shell box, like zone defense matchup. And uh, he used to say to me, Jeremy, what'd you do last night? I, 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 well, you know, I went home and I watched film. I said, all right, fine. So tell me how St. Joe's of Maine can beat our defense. And so I would have to be able to draw up different things that they did to show him that. So when my friend said to me, you know, hey, what would you have reacted? I said, you know, to be honest with you, if I thought it couldn't work, I would have come up to you after halftime and said, hey, coach, I understand what you're going. But if they do, for example, if they run a high low against what you just draw or if they go into a one three one and their runner, they put the, they take their big girl and put her at the top. It's going to stop what you're drawing. Always having a solution and always, yeah. you know, anticipating what's coming is how you're an effective coach, either it, as a head coach or an assistant. It's so hard. People don't understand you're not a baseball coach. Like baseball coaches, think about how much time they have to think during a baseball game. Basketball coaches don't. So as my uh, – and I always meet my assistants before we go in anyway, but I want inputs because I'm going to – and this is what I tell the young coaches. You want to find a place where you're – I don't take all the input they give me. I've got three assistants, but I want their input. Like this is working. This isn't working. Think about this. Think about this. And then I decipher it. It's like, I'm the, I'm the code breaker and they're just giving me all the information and they're giving me solutions. And they're saying, Ooh, you know, this kid's really killing us from three. The one, three, one won't work. That corner isn't like, okay, you know, then I'll either cross it off or I'll stick with it. Um, but I think you're right. My reaction would have been, well, if you don't think it's going to work, what do you think is that my reaction would have been, okay, you don't think it's going to work. What do you think is going to work and why as we're walking? So that, that's that's what, my point. Yeah, that's I what I would have so said. Important. It's like, okay, you don't think it's going to work? Great. Give me a, re- give me a reason it's not going to work. <laughs> right. I want a solution. What's going to work? Yeah. I want a solution. I want a right. reason and I want a solution. Don't right. tell me. I don't, if, if you don't think it's going to work, that's great. In my head, I already see it unfolding a certain way. Right. So if you don't believe in what I got, that's fine. Because and, that and, and when you've coached long enough, that's literally the discussion I would have had. It would have been mad. It would have been, okay, you don't think it's going to work? Great. What do you think is going to work and why? And then we would have had that discussion walking out of the tunnel. And then we would have stayed with what I was going to do. But then all of a sudden, if that's not working, then I would have gone, hmm, you know, Kevin said this might work. Okay, let's try that. You know, but then just saying it's not going to work is like, what are you talking about? Like, Right. You know, there's plenty of things that I was thinking about that are not going to work. I already I know could, that. Right. I could tell you that You're, I could put four people on the court. That's not going to work. That right. doesn't help me. Exactly. <laughs> like I, yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that's a, you know, especially if you're listening and you're a young coach, you know, right. Your input, just because someone doesn't take your input. And I was an assistant for a long time. Just because right. someone doesn't listen, doesn't mean it's not important. I'm you're listening. Trust process. me. I tell my coaches right. that all the time. I'm hearing you. It's just like, there's all there can only be one captain that's the problem it's like someone has to finally make a decision or there's gonna be mass chaos Um, yeah and i i love you know my assistants have always done a great job and i trust my assistants if they say you know i think we need to be going to this thing if you know if it feels right and you have a feel for the game and you're on the same page by all means so so here this is this is let me lead into this question so i'm at the point in my career where i probably talk 30 percent of practice maybe um 
So what do you, because I have assistants that I just trust. I have an assistant that can run our offense. I have another assistant that does our like scouts. I, I mean, I just, I have trust. That's what happens when you get a good, good, uh, good staff. Um, you know, early in my career, I was probably talking 90% of the time when, when things had to be discussed, but how, how do you run practices at your level with your assistants and what, what responsibilities do they have? So more than likely, I, I've always, you know, at this level, younger assistants, it's a great opportunity for them to break in and get the, as much hands-on experience. So I do find myself, I don't do, I do the majority of talking, no question. So I'm, I'm definitely not, you know, like you had said, I'm not at a point where I'm able to do 30%, but I think that where my players and my program kind of have, there's a standard is that, you know, I'll, I will, you know, I'll, I like my assistants to be creative. If any of them can come up to me with, you know, Hey, I got a great chill or Hey, I picked something up. Like I'm all for it. Let's run it in practice and see what we get. Like any idea is a good idea. If, if you think it can help us get better. So, you know, my assistants have the leeway to say, Hey, I, you know, we've been doing a lot of this. I think this drill can help. So well, no, let's do it. And um, I, you know, my, I try to with working with a lot of my assistants some of what head coaches have done for me um, is, you know, put me in charge of the scout team and say, Hey, you know, learn right. this film, run this stuff. And that's always great. You know, and I, I'm grateful to have had, you know, coaches who have let me learn like that. So I try to do the same thing, but when it comes to like controlling the sets and substitutions, you know, I personally, I think my assistants, like my, my assistants have a very good feel for the game. So I have no problem if they tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, so-and-so's got to come out for so-and-so. Right, they're tired you know? and stuff. I, I mean, I do all yeah. the subs and I do all that, but they'll say, hey, Joe's dying out there, coach. And I'll and th- usually I'm watching faces. That's where I can kind of tell. I've done it long enough that it's like, ooh, they're, they, need a, they need a blow. They're just not with it or, um, you know, other than the X and O part. But um, I love that. I think that's a great thing for assistants to do. I mean – Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know? Yeah, and I had when I was with Jamie Angeli at City College, you know, he was more in a place where he had our whole staff was pretty solid. So we had one guy that ran our substitutions. I ran the press defense and the uh, and our on our half court defense, where he kind of coached the you know he was in charge of what the offense was, the overall scheme, and you know, obviously if there was adjustments that need to be made. But he had me for defense, and he had our other assistant coach for uh you know for our some of our offensive sets for quick hitters and uh stuff like that so i think that you know it's all about trust again you know it goes back to relationships you know with my assistants i think it's so important like i believe in them i believe that they are if they're around enough and they're working hard enough they understand what i'm trying to do and so you know then you have to give them opportunity. I'm not one that, you know, I don't want my assistant standing quietly at practice and not talking. Right. And the thing is that this is probably a little different at your level, but I'm always looking for someone that's looking for another, I mean, they're, they're, they're looking for another job after you, you know, they probably don't want to be an assistant for 35 years. So that's good. So your point is you're kind of like the old uh, blacksmith. You're trying to teach them how to, how to, how to put the shoes on the horses kind of thing. 
so that they can go open their own blacksmith store kind of you're it's, it's an apprentice thing at the college level almost in a lot of respects um, yeah i mean i'll tell you yeah. a funny story about jamie angeli real quick so when i was with jamie when i first started with him you know he would you know he obviously had his stuff that he would say and whatnot and you know, I'd be, you know, on one side of the court, you know, kind of coaching defensive part of a drill or whatever it may be. And if he felt like I wasn't talking enough, he he had two plans. He'd either walk by me and, you know, mumble something that I probably shouldn't share on the air. Right. Let me know that it was time to start talking and get louder or he'd, or he'd put me on the spot. And, he'd right. be, you know, he'd, he'd stop the drill and be like, all right, Jeremy, make the, you know, what are we going to do to adjust this? And, you know, makes you, it keeps you tuned in. It keeps you locked in and, I'm so lucky to have a guy like him as a mentor and as a friend, and, and he taught me so much about what it meant to be a good assistant yeah. along with JR. Fighting, fighting mentors is another side note. Coach, young coaches should go find me- go find your mentors. That's so important. This is a great time to do it. It is. It is. It's a great time. All right, so I'm going to do my rapid fire with you, Coach. Um, so, which is I ask quick questions. They usually tend to be one or two sentences qu- answer. Um, first of all, do you have any superstitions? Yes. During the national anthem, at the end of every national anthem, I close my eyes and pray for good health and uh, and pray for a competitive game. I ask for both those things before every game. Yep. I, I mean, I haven't. I think everybody has an. I I start moving at home. It's like there's like <laughs> people will know. Like that's when I start moving. It's like that word home comes, and then and my son just graduated, so him and I, I would always give him a whack in the back of his head. Um, so it was like a little love pat um so yeah it, it's fun to have those i think they're fun um favorite brand of basketball like the ball you use to um shoot spalding okay why don't yell it's my our, go ahead uh spalding because it's yeah. our game ball i mean game ball. nothing better than having your game ball in your hand you know? no i think i think that's true uh one word to describe your ideal player versatile okay one sporting event in the entire world what would you go to and why Oof. I just hate that. That might be the worst question I ask when I do rapid fires. People hate that one because there's so many yeah, good ones. Tough. You know, it depends on a lot of things. I won't get into the details. Like, it depends on – I've been to a couple Super Bowls in my life, and I've been to some NBA championships. The Super Bowl so, doesn't appeal to me. I mean, I'm a pack, obviously a Packer fan. That one's not on my list, actually. been to a few Super Bowls. I've actually been to a couple of really good ones. I've been to the, all the ones that the Patriots won just by chance. I – I was at all of those. I was at the 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 Rams Titans one where he reached out for the goal line. I was at uh, the Lakers when they were in Orlando. I was there when they won the when they beat Orlando. Um, but one event, to be honest with you, I've been to a cricket match in South Africa. I'm trying to think of if there's one thing I could do. You know what? I would like to be. I say this all the time, and I, maybe during this quarantine, I'll have the opportunity. I would like the opportunity. Not for, let's say, sporting. If it's sporting event, you know, stick me at the uh, the March Madness. It, like, I love going to the, you know, two games, the Big East tournament, seeing two in the afternoon, two in the evening. The but Final Four is fun. I took my son to the Final Four last year. That was so much fun. That was great. That's my favorite sporting yeah. event, I have to say. If I could be anywhere. But if you would allow me, if I could be at any sporting event, I want to sit in the, you know, in the coaches meeting, you know, with Nick Saban and watch him do a uh, staff meeting before practice with, you know, 40 coaches and, and how they go over everything. Um, uh, uh, favorite pregame meal. Oh, that's a no brainer. It's uh, pasta, 
with marinara sauce, very bland, plain and simple. Okay. Uh, one skill not being taught in today's game. I'll go with mid-range. Okay. Uh, one thing you do to relax. Um, sheesh, I feel like I'm always basketball all the time, all the way around. I think spending time with my grandmother and my dog. My grandmother's not from – she's from South Africa, and she moved here, and she's just started to understand the game of basketball. So, you know, I, I love spending time with her. How is she? Is she, is she good? Is she quarantined and healthy? Yeah, she's, she's fantastic. She's doing great. She lives just a couple blocks from where I live, and, you know, she's, she's, she's doing great. Good. So awesome. It's good. Um, Thank you. I know. To uh, do one coaching technique you consider important. Using your timeouts effectively. I'm going to go to heaven, if I go to heaven, with a lot of timeouts because I need them at the end. <laughs> I swear to God. I'm, you, very rarely will there be – will I not have any with – I mean, several with a couple minutes to go because I think they're so valuable at the end. Yeah. So our rule is – and I don't know. Our rule is – this is what I hate is a loose ball. Here's our rule in our program. Loose ball, you're going to get it. It's a scrum, man, and we're not calling a timeout. So, and, he, and, I, and the reason is we know that we're not calling a timeout. Like, right. so my guys know that if there's a ball, that you better move toward it because the guy that's getting it is going to look to give it to somebody. They're not going to grab it and take that timeout 30 seconds into the game and burn one of my timeouts. Right. Um, that's actually it, a great idea. It has built a, it has built, it, it has helped us so much because it's an advantage for us. It's, ca it's caused them to go after the ball. And then, you know, I said, I'll call one if it's the fourth, you know, the end of the end of the game and we need one. Or I'll call it. Don't worry about that. But you go get it. And then we've got layups and stuff because we know we're going to get it. Um, right. And you're not 100%. burning it. Yeah. So uh, uh, best best basketball player you have seen in person. Michael Jordan, by far. Okay. Best basketball player of all time. Yeah. Michael Jordan. Okay. Uh, the one thing you help you become a better coach. Being around the right people. And how did that happen? That happened from putting myself in positions where I, ha I would have to be uncomfortable and, and make, find a way to get comfortable. Yep. It, learning how to have uncomfortable conversations and learning how to have difficult conversations and challenging yourself to, you know, be comfortable in situations you normally wouldn't be comfortable. Pause the pause the podcast. Rewind that, all you young coaches. Listen to that about three times, because that's that's the that's a that's the one of the many golden nuggets. But that's a golden nugget right there, because sending emails, sending resumes, sending all that stuff is not going to open up doors. Um, I forgot who I was talking to. Um, it was a it was an NBA coach, and he goes. If you knew how many resumes I got, Steve, everybody I've ever hired, I've had a relationship with. I've, I've known them or someone knew them or somebody, you know, um, that's what they don't understand. It's like, you know, right. um, no, one I thing agree. that uh, best game you, uh, you've seen in person. Basketball? Doesn't matter. Best basketball game I've seen in person. <laughs> Um, I'm a diehard Seton Hall fan. I grew up a Seton Hall fan. We had season tickets when I was younger. Um, dating back to like the Eddie Griffin, Darius Lane days. Um, uh, but can't think of a specific one. I'll say, actually, I have it on my wall. What was it here? 
April 20th in 1996, second to last game of the year for the Chicago Bulls in their 72 win season. I get a chance to fly out to Chicago and see the game. Michael Jordan misses a shot with 10 seconds to, to tie the game, to take the lead by two. The Bulls foul with three seconds left, and the Pacers hit two free throws, uh, make one of two free throws to win 199. I fly back to New York. The next day, they win number 72. The only game I saw that bowl season was them losing to the Pacers pretty much at the buzzer. That's the best game I've ever seen. Wow. <laughs> yeah, they. I, I, it's so interesting because I have an eight, an 18-year-old in the house, and they just – I don't think they really understand Michael. I mean, I think they do, but they – I think Last Dance is helping a little bit. But You know what a um, close second was is I, I was at David Cohn's perfect game for the New York Yankees, and that was – something like the intensity that you feel and the pressure that you're witnessing on an individual to compete at a high level under extreme exhaustion, heat, and those circumstances mentally, that was something that will always stick with me yeah. as well. The, um, uh, favorite quote? Favorite quote? I think he sent me one. I don't remember. I can find it. I could tell you. I think. It's tough. I have two. Okay, you can. Pick, I'll you. give you two. I'll, I'll I'll open up the I'll open up the vault and give you two. Um. No. So I just have one actually. Okay. Um. Uh, it's be where your feet are. Um. And that to me means so much. It's you know someone told me and I live by this like the job that I'm at right now. That's my Yukon. That's my right. You know, that's me living the, the my best life and. You know, Coach Lynn Dunn said it on a on a podcast, and she said, "Be where your feet are, and you know, do your very best at the place that you are, and treat it like it's your dream job." And for me, it, it where I'm at is my dream job right now. And so, every day, you know, I got an office, and I go into it, and I, I love being there, and I love coaching hoops, and I hope that they let us. So again, all the young coaches, down. rewind that and listen to that because <laughs> when you go to the Final Four. And you go to and you and you're a member of the NABC, and you watch all these young coaches. They all look like they're unhappy. They all look like they're trying to find the next job, which I get is part of that game, especially at the D1 level. But I even see it from the D3 assistants. It's like the grass isn't always greener. Learn where you're at. If you're good, they're gonna find you. Like, like <laughs> if you're LeBron, they're gonna find you. If you know what you're doing, and you're and you you know and you make connections, people will find you. So. Um, yeah, I think people are always looking for that next gig, and that's one of the reasons I haven't left my job. It's like it was a horrible program. We turned it around. Why would I leave? Like this is part of – it's a great job. I mean, it's – Yeah, you know, and you got to know what makes you happy. You yeah. Know? I think that yeah. when, when you find it, you got you know, you to right. do your best. Well, it. and I didn't want to spend my 30s and 40s, you know, in gyms in summer, and, you know, that's that was the decision. I wanted to be there for my kids. Um, uh, top uh, – best basketball coach of all time. This is always harder than the player. <laughs> my favorite basketball coach, and then I have my okay. – I'm going to say Greg Popovich. He's probably the best basketball coach of all time. Okay. Everything I've read about Greg Pop and everything that I've read, you know, I think it's unbelievable. I do – I read a lot about Jay Wright, too. He's pretty amazing himself. But uh, Pop, everything I've learned about Popovich is, is amazing. I would agree. I would agree. One, one book you would recommend? Uh, that's a great segue. Jay Wright's Attitude. Okay. Um, one thing that you do to become a better coach. Make sure I learn something every day. 
Okay. And the last thing is one thing you would tell a young coach. Well, I would say that, you know, like kind of like back to the quote is, you know, be where your feet are, but do the very best at where you are, be the best at whatever your responsibilities are, be the best at whatever you're given to do, master that craft. And, you know, don't look far beyond that because number one, you, you know, I look back now on my career as an assistant and I had some great memories and maybe they've, I wasn't living the dream in each moment, but I was happy to be where I was. So it was, you know, I, I embraced it, but you know, mastering everything that you're taught before moving on to something else will make you a better coach. Once you finally, you know, find the place you want to be. I, I, that's a great, that's a great last question. Thank you, coach. I really appreciate it. I really do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Hey everybody, if you like the podcast, make sure you subscribe, like, leave a review, jump up and down, run around your house, whatever you need to do. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Have a great day. Sports Social Podcast Network.